Um, just want to really honour the the our worship team this morning. It was really awesome last last Sunday. We were a little bit late getting into the building, and we were just waiting for the key and all that sort of thing. But I just really love the attitude of our tech team and our worship team because they they, they were unruffled. Well, they they might have been you know underneath, but but man, they showed no sense of being ruffled or or difficulty or just came in set up and uh, and off they went a little bit less time to, to set up but it all happened I just want to take a, a few moments this morning to um, just open the word of God we love the word of God the word of God's really important to us but I want to I want to just share this to, to begin with I really believe that for for us as inspired church family you know there's been difficulties that we face there's been you know the the, the COVID unsettledness there's been the the disruption and uncertainty of that journey. And now we've had these um, weather events and, uh, and then, um, and also just recently, you know, being, being not able to be in our building. And there's a real, what can, what can really happen is it can bring just a, a real sense of unsettledness, a real sense of, oh, what's going on? And, and, uh, and, uh, and it can really affect us. But I want to say to you this morning, Stay on course, Inspire Church. Stay on course. Stay passionate for the kingdom of God. Don't get, don't get blown off course. Don't become unsettled and unsure in your walk. Keep on going. Keep on pressing in. Keep on plugging in. Keep on being connected. Keep on building healthy relationships in your life. Keep on journeying with people, especially faith-filled people that stir you up, that, that challenge you to go further. I encourage you this morning, lean into the purposes of God. This is not a time to back back. This is not a time to sort of um, um, oh, become a little bit weary or become a little bit distracted. Church, this is a time to press forward. This is a time to hunger for God's presence. This is a time to step into all that God has for our hearts and lives. And I want to share a, a passage of Scripture this morning that has really been on my heart. It's 1 Samuel chapter 13 and, and reading from verse 8. And it's basically just a snapshot of, um, of, of uh, a man called David. David is, a, is an incredible man in the Old Testament. He was not perfect, uh, but he rose to incredible heights and God mightily, mightily used him. And I'm going to share from a scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8, and it's a, a pivotal time in David's life and David's journey. Do you know in our lives we have pivotal times, times, segments, it seems, that it's crucial that we handle that, that segment well because it ushers us into our next part, our next season, the next part of our journey. And I believe this, this part in David's life was significant for him and his journey. But before we go to that passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 30, I just want to lead into a little bit. I want to um, paint a little bit of a picture of David's journey before he came to this reading that I'm going to read in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 16, David has an experience where he's um, he's um, not even really uh, uh, aware of um, the calling and the destiny that's upon his life. He was out being a shepherd boy, but um, there was an event that took place where um, Samuel, God spoke to Samuel the prophet and said, "Look, I'm 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 I, um, King Saul, the the, the 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 king that was the the King Saul is is on his way out, as it were, and I'm going to raise up a new king." And God spoke to Samuel about this and he said, what I want you to do, I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to anoint one of his sons and from one of those sons, I'm going to raise up a king who's going to rule over Israel. And it's a really interesting story because um, it's quite an important meeting. You know, Samuel realizes the significance of this and he speaks to Jesse as seven sons are brought into this place of meeting and as uh, Samuel goes forward to anoint the, the eldest son, Eliab. Um, he, he thinks, well, in, in his heart, he thinks, well, um, he looks the one. All his outward appearance, he's the one. And he steps forward to anoint this um, um, man as king of Israel. But as soon as Samuel steps forward to do that, God speaks to him and says, oh, no, hold up. He's not the one. See, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And so he, he moves on from Eliab, like, oh, well, not, not the eldest. Well, let's work our way down. And so Samuel goes down, not Eliab, goes to anoint the second son, goes to anoint the third son. None of it, none of the sons, um, God says no to all of them. And Samuel's really, really concerned. He thinks, what on earth is happening here? And, and finally, you know, Samuel gets a bit frustrated with this. And he says to Jesse, well, look, have you got any more sons? And he says, well, yes, I do. I've got a, you know, snotty-nosed apprentice. Oh, I mean, I've got a you know, young lad. He's insignificant, really. He's, he's out in the field looking after the sheep. And, and um, Samuel says, well, look, bring him in. And as soon as this young man comes in, uh, the, 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 the scripture is really interesting because it, um, as Samuel sees him, he goes to anoint him and, and he knows that this is the one and he anoints him. And the scripture is really interesting there. And it says this, um, the Bible says that, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. It was a, it was a time of meeting where the anointing of God came upon this young, young man's life. This young man, he was insignificant. He wasn't even thought of as, as someone that, that should be on, you know, God's plan or significant or something incredible was going to happen. But, but God chose him. God raised him up. And that was a significant event in his life. There were two other anointings that David had in his life uh, um, on his journey to be ruling really as king. And I want to say to each of you this morning that, that God knows you. God sees you where you are. You might think that you're just out in the fields. You just might think that you're just doing something insignificant with your work or your journey in life. But I want to look at 
each of you and say there's something significant about each of you in your walk. You're not just a, just a boring human being just existing, walking through life, but there's a, a sense of call. There's a sense of the dynamic of God that's upon your life. There's a sense that God wants to, to know you, to walk with you and to raise you up into something that's far more than just ho-hum, boring, just get up one day, go to bed at night. There's something significant about your life. And there are times, and that's the incredible thing about hanging out with God and about hanging out with His people, that God raises, God anoints, God places His hand upon you. And I just want to say to each of you this morning, God loves you. There's a calling, there's a plan, there's a destiny. You know, when you get up out of bed in the morning, realize that there's a a God that loves you, that, that has called you, destined you to walk into something supernatural in our world. We're not just survivors, we're thrivers. Siska, we're not just survivors, we're thrivers, okay? Let that really sink into your heart and life. That was a significant time in in David's life. As a young man, he was called, he was anointed. Later on, we know the story well of of, uh, when David came on the scene, when these two armies were arrayed against each other, and the story of David and Goliath, we know that story well. But from that time, David's fame and popularity began to spread. He began to be a known man. And eventually King Saul gives David a high rank in the army. But you see, this doesn't bode well for David. Events begin to happen that that really catch him up in a whirlwind whirlwind of events. You see, the, the women crowd out onto the streets and they begin to sing songs about, you know, David is slain as thousands, but but um, um, uh, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, but but David has slain his tens of thousands. And so David's popularity begins to to really rise. And it's interesting that that insecure Saul has really been taking notice of David and jealousy and anger begins to rise up in his heart. And in a time when, when, um, when Saul is with David, he takes hold of a javelin and goes to throw it at David and, and David is able to duck. He just, just saves his life. He's missed from being pinned to the wall. And, uh, what, a, what an event that must have been. But we come to a time when the Saul is Saul is angry with him, then David escapes and this ushers in a life for him as a fugitive. He's on the run. He's got no fixed abode and he's going from town to town. He's he's um, also, because such a leadership mantle is placed upon him, he's gathering a group of men. He's gathering a group of warriors around him. And so we come to this passage of scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it says this, and I want you to listen to this this morning. It says that David and his men reached a town called Ziglag on the third day. And now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. And they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Imagine that. And when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. And David's two wives had been captured. Man, he had two wives. 
two wives um, had been captured, Ahinamoah of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. And each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. You know, this morning, I want to really talk about three things. I want to talk about trouble. I want to talk about strength. And I want to talk about forward momentum. I want to talk about trouble because I think we need to face trouble at times. We need to face the moment of strength that came. And also, I want to talk about forward momentum. You know, this is an extremely difficult and challenging time for David and his men. Imagine that, what what had happened to the men what had happened to David. And and the, the, the Bible says that David and his men, they wept aloud. These are grown men. They wept aloud until they had no strength left. Such was the devastation. Such was the brokenness of their season right then that they, they wept. They just, they didn't know what to do until their strength, their strength had gone. And then even David, you know, becomes even more greatly distressed because, the, because you know, blame sets in and, well, who can we blame for this disaster? And so David, well, David's our leader. Let's, let's blame him. Let's, let's take David's life. And so David is in that moment of stress for his family, for what's happened, and then also even for his own life. And it really brings out for us, I believe, a, a, a very important question for us. How do we handle difficult and challenging and stormy seasons in our life? When the wheels seem to fall off, when, when things don't go well, how do, how do we get on in life? What, what do we do? What, what do we do in those seasons? Sorry to remind you about this. The message will get more encouraging. <laughs> Sorry to remind you of this. Sorry to remind you of this, but we all face storms at times. I know you guys really have never faced many storms. All of you are on top of your game. All of you are successful in life. All of you have got it all together. I can just see it by your smiles. But there are times in life, to, I'm sorry to remind you that, that there are storms there are, and there is no escape. We, we, there is no escape. These storms come. You know, Job chapter five and verse seven says, man is born to trouble. This is such an inspiring scripture. Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Do you like your open fires? Even Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 35. Um, don't worry about tomorrow. The very interesting scripture. Don't worry about tomorrow because, um, because today has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble. Keep smiling. You know, times when our faith get re- gets really tested, when the road gets bumpy, when the lights start to flicker, you know, we can get into um, uh, um, we can get into some very de- desperate situations and begin to cry out. And and uh, some of some of the ways we handle desperate times is is God, what are you doing with me? God, why why is this happening? You know, sometimes the enemy can 
have a real field day in our time of adversity and say, oh, great, great choice you made to become a Christian. Look at your life. Not much success, not much joy in your life. Look at you, defeated. Not much is happening in your life. Was it a really wise decision to become a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, to enter into great victory? And oh, the enemy can have an absolute field day in our time of storm. You know, sometimes we can go through it where we think, oh, Lord, I've sinned. You know, I've failed God. God, what have I done? Why has this calamity happened to me? Sometimes we think, oh, it's a, you know, it's a bad decision that I've made. Or sometimes we think, oh, God, you're testing me. And, and, and that's the way we, we sort of try to handle it. But I want to, I want to say just, just for a moment longer on this subject, I want to share just quickly some unhelpful ways because I want to share these things because I've probably touched on all of them in my own life. Some unhelpful ways of trying to deal with life's challenges and life's storms. Number one, constantly asking why. Constantly asking why. Why, 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 why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Look, I know we all want to do this and we do it really, really well, but really in a sense of asking why all the time is only like an endless treadmill. You get on it, you keep asking why, but it will never bring you to an answer. There are, there are times when God will answer and there are times where God, God will never let you know this side of eternity. And we've just got to press on. Just be aware of the danger of constantly asking why. We see it in David and his men's lives, you know, getting bitter and lashing out. Bitterness, when, uh, when we go through a difficult time, is we've got to ward off that enemy because it can really have an effect on our life. David faced this, you know, blaming others. Very easy when calamity comes. We want to want to find a scapegoat. We can blame this person or we can blame that and the blame game starts and it's a no end. It's a no win situation. Also, another one I want to share is believing or always believing in the instant uh, fix instead of the journey through. You know, there are some times in our lives where, where we cry out to God and God brings his suddenlies. We pray and God brings change. God brings an answer. God brings um, um, uh, a revelation. God God moves and and just something happens and change comes. Sometimes it's quickly, but other times there's a journey of the answer. The answer doesn't always come straight away, but there's that pressing in and and knowing that the answer will come, but there's a journey in God, but not getting caught up on the quick fix. Another one is ignoring the reality of what has happened, going into denial. Another one is stop trusting in Jesus. I had a young man that texted me just recently and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm fed up. I'm not following Jesus anymore. He hasn't answered. I've got this challenge. I've got this problem. Um, God hasn't come through for me. So no, no, I'm moving on. Jesus hasn't done what I wanted him to do. So, but he's still on God's radar, still on God's radar. At the moment, he says he's not trusting in Jesus, but I believe he's coming back. Another one is letting the crisis. This is a really, really important one. Letting the crisis of what we have faced forever cloak us in that train wreck. It's very easy, that cloak, that the clothing that, that we were wearing in that time of disaster, when we come out of that, we're still wearing those clo- that clothing. We're still wearing the brokenness. We're still wearing 
the same speech. We're still covered in that train wreck and we haven't allowed our lives to be healed up and to move on from that. If you want a biblical example of that, it really is probably the story of, of um, Naomi as she came out of the land of Moab. She was a broken woman. She'd lost her husband. She'd lost her, her two sons and, and, and she, she, she was in that place of despair and brokenness in her life. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, um, uh, she, she was blaming God really. And, and she said, I, I want to change my name. I no, one, no longer want to be called Naomi. I want to be called Mara, which means bitter. In other words, she, she stayed in that place of brokenness and, and, and took a while for her to come out of that and realize that the, the answer of Naomi was with her. But you see, the story with David continues with nine powerful words. We're leaving the trouble now and we're coming into the supernatural strength of God. You see, the story with David continues with nine powerful words, words that open up an incredible faith-filled future for us. You see, David and his men were in a place of great distress. David was fearing for his life, but I love this this word of God, this word from Scripture where it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. There was a pivotal, there was a turning moment in David's experience. I can't tell you all that happened. I can't say, well, this happened, that happened, the other thing happened, and this is strength came to David. We're not given the details, but in that moment of crisis and brokenness, strength came. Strength came into his life. You see, what we do, how we react, how we respond, our hard attitude, the steps that we take in our stormy season are crucial to our future, are crucial to our future. Our difficult seasons are God's opportunity to show himself strong. David went to God. He came into the very presence of God. And in that place of meeting, strength came. You see, from a place of heartbreak, devastation, and great loss, David received strength from God to rise up and to move forward. You know, probably one of the great stories um, of the New Testament talking about storms is the, is the, is the story of Paul as he goes to Rome and, uh, he, he, he chooses and he says, look, I appeal my case. I want to go to Rome. I want to, um, I want to appeal before Caesar. And it's a really interesting story. And I don't want to go into it with a, a lot of depth, but in Acts chapter 27, um, these guys, Paul included, uh, they were carrying cargo. They hop on a sailing ship and they head out. And it's a really, really interesting story because it says at the very beginning of their sail, a very gentle wind blew. A very gentle wind blew. Do you know what? Shortly after, shortly after they began sailing, it says in verse 14, before very long, a wind of hurricane force strength called a nor'easter began to battle the ship. And I know if you're a, a pastor, Don, you would love the adventure on the high seas and the, the adrenaline pumping and the, and the, the, the being at the helm of this vessel that's nearly being smashed apart. But but for, for more human people like me, you know, I would be fearing for my life. My knuckles would be white. I'd be, um, um, you know, turning very pale. Um, some green would be, you know, all, all that, you know, whatever. But it's an interesting story that this huge hurricane
hurricane force wind came against the ship and these seasoned sailors just absolutely feared for their life. They, they did all sorts of things. They wrapped ropes around the ship. They, they cast off the anchor and just let the vessel be carried away by the, carried along by the storm. They had no sense of being able to navigate this. They were totally lost in the storm. They got to the stage where they, they threw all their tackle, everything that was important on the boat. They threw that overboard. They threw food overboard. They threw everything that they could. They threw the precious cargo that they were carrying. They threw that overboard and, and just, um, uh, went for it and tried to survive. And it's, and it's, it's really, really interesting that they, they, it was a, it was a place of desperation. It was a time when, and the scripture actually says that they went for a long period of time without food. They didn't see stars or sun for many days. Imagine the intensity of that sort of storm. It wasn't something that blew in for a day and then they sort of had to recover and moved on. This went on for days. They saw no daylight. They were in a very, very difficult place. But I love it and uh, I love the scripture and I want to just share this with you. Verse 22 and it says, um, this is Paul's experience. Paul stands up among, among these men and he says this, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. But now I urge you to keep up your courage <laughs> because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Do not be afraid, Paul. And I absolutely believe that in our times of need and our times when storms come in our life, we need that whisper of God. We need that voice from heaven that keeps us on track. You know, it's actually interesting. Paul received that word that the, the angel spoke to him. He was able to speak out to the men on the ship. Do you know it was 14 days after that before uh, that they realized that they were coming closer to land? It didn't, the word from God didn't just come and then, you know, suddenly it was all fine, happy. I'm released from this, this incredible event. 14 days more, but a word from God had come. And I just want to say to each of us this morning, boy, and some of the storms that we have in life, we need, we need to hear from God. And it was really interesting the other night, and it's interesting because I've got two big clocks in front of me so I can see the time. But it was really interesting the other night, I said to Sharon, oh, look, would you come in? I, I was preparing my message and I said, Sharon, talk to me about times in your life where, where it's been a challenge and you've been strengthened by God. Times in your life when there's been a storm and you've been strengthened by God. And it was a really, it's a good question to ask. I was quite pleased with myself. Um, it's, it's a good thing sometimes to ask when you're in, a, in an eye group or in a, times in your life when you've been strengthened. How, how's God done that? How did that happen in your journey? How were you strengthened in your walk with God? What did God do? And it's an incredibly inspiring thing to go through that journey and realize. Okay, quickly moving on. How do I find strength? How do I find strength in my storm? We, we hear from God. 
We hear from God. There's some other things I just want to quickly share with you. You know, probably one of the most important things we need to do in the storms of life, we need to come to Christ. We need to open the door of our life to a a loving God in the person of Jesus Christ. We need to, in the pain and the brokenness and the need that we face, we need to get the very door of our heart and we need to crank open that door and we need to let Jesus in because he is truly the lover of our soul. There's no one ever that has loved us like Jesus. There's no one ever that is as faithful, that is as kind, that is as loving as the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, to gain strength in our life, we need to come to Christ. We need to surrender our life to him. I remember as a teenage young man, I think I was about 18 or 19 years of age, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. One of the significant things that happened in my life when I received Christ into my life, strength came. I no longer was just like a ship that was blown here and blown there, not being having much strength to resist temptation, just, oh, well, I just, you know, do, go, go with the crowd, do this, do that. But Christ came in and I, I knew that a life had come in. I knew that a person had come in. I knew that, that, that someone had come in that, that gave me the ability to truly be John, to truly be the person that God had made. Did it instantly happen in a sense that I suddenly grew up or no, but I was on a journey. You know, God's brought some, hopefully some maturity over the years, but, but a, a, a strength and a life came when I received Christ into my life. Another, another one I just want to share quickly is be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I think it's so important. We need encounters. We need times. We need times as David had. We need times of fresh anointing. We need times when the Holy Spirit comes upon our life and we sense his presence. We sense his nearness. We sense his love. We need to speak in other tongues. We need to edify ourselves as we build up ourselves, as the scripture says, as we speak in other tongues. We need worship. We need times of of opening our life in worship and adoration before the presence of God. That's when strength comes. That's when we sense God's nearness. We sense his nearness. We also need the word of God. We need, you know, when you when you're in a very, very difficult time, it's no good to suddenly go, oh, you know, I I, I, I need a word. God, God, help me. What's what's the scripture that I can find that can help me in my time of brokenness? You know, we need to store up grain in our good seasons. We need to to know the word of God. We need to soak in the word of God. So when when a challenge comes, you know, even Jesus, even Jesus in his time of temptation with the enemy and when the enemy was coming against him and it would have been an incredible temptation. What did Jesus use? Jesus didn't stand up in his divinity. He didn't stand up as the son of God and rebuke the enemy. No, he grabbed hold. He reached back into the Old Testament and he took hold of three scriptures and he said, no, Satan, it is written. It is written. It is written. And so for you and I, we have the precious Word of God. And as God's Word comes into our life, it get, brings strength, it brings hope. You know, in Isaiah 41 and verse 10, it says this, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, I've just read that scripture that may mean a lot to you or may that, that may not mean much to you. But that scripture was 
was life-changing for me many, many years ago when I was in a time of need and God spoke to me and it was like as God spoke to me, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I, I just encourage you this morning and, and, and our time is up, up, really up. Just the, I just want to close with this. Dangerous to sit on the front row. Um, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 7, I'll close with this. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abathar, Abathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. You see, my message this morning, I've been talking about trouble. I've been talking about strength coming. But at the very end of that scripture that I've been reading, there was forward momentum. David never just stayed in that moment and said, oh, wow, God strengthened me. This is really awesome. David then inquired of the Lord and said, what do I now do? Do I, do I, do I rise up and, and, and follow after and, and attack these people that have taken our families? And David received a word about forward momentum. And I just want to, I really had this on my heart for this morning, was inspire church family more and more. God's got forward momentum for us in a greater way. Yes, it's been a difficult, it's been a challenging time. It's been not easy sometimes with our church locations and all that sort of thing, but God's got forward momentum for us. There's a sense of agenda. God's got an agenda. God's got a calling. God's got a, a sense of horizon of opening for each one of us. Plateauing is not good in the things of God. God has got some climbing for us to do. There's a sense of rising up more and more. You know, as I was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, um, early, not, I didn't do it this morning so much, but last Sunday morning, um, before most people had arrived, you know, there's all the setup team, there's the musicians, different things were happening. Kids' church was being set up. People were engaged. People were, you know, sorting out stuff, getting all this ready for the service. And, and I realized that the church is, is about a body moving forward into its destiny. Inspire Church has a destiny. Inspire Church. It's not about just frantic energy and, oh, let's quickly, let's, you know, quickly rush around and do this. There's a calling. There's a destiny. And, and I encourage you, people of God, are you listening to the voice of God for your next steps? What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you in your walk? You know, you think about all that we do at Inspire Our Church. You, th you think about creative. You think about the tech team, hosting, leaders and helpers in our kids' church ministry. You think of youth. You think of iGroups, the women's ministry, she, blokes, prayer, intercession, alpha, cleansing stream, conferences that we do and many, many other things. God, God's, got a, God's got a calling and, and it, it may not better happen just right now. But what, what is God speaking to you about your next steps? What is God speaking to you about your next steps? Because your next steps are dynamic. Your next steps just open up a future and a way and a pathway and joy and serving and loving and just seeing God just use His church to impact our world to bring incredible change. So I just, I just love you guys. What an awesome service this morning. 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.